Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Isaac Roman in a message he's entitled, Take Heart. Enjoy this message. It's good to be here tonight. It's good to see each and every one of you tonight. Uh, I'm excited for the word that God gave me to share with you. Uh, before I go any further, though, I, I do want to uh, honor um, our pastors, uh, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Where did Pastor Omar? He walked off. Okay. All right. It's all right. But we want to honor our pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Oh, there you are. I'm sorry. Your wife is over there. No, I got. I, I know. I know. No. Hey, we we uh we love we love our pastors so much, and I'm so honored uh, to call them. And I say this often, but uh, I just don't think I could over honor uh, our our pastors. But we're so uh, we're so blessed and privileged to have them in our lives. Not only as our pastors, uh, they are my spiritual parents. Uh, they bring correction and direction, uh, support, uh, redirection, and, and all that stuff. Uh, but also great, great friends, and uh, we're, we're just so honored, me and my wife, to be able to serve, uh, serve alongside them, uh, serve with our pastoral team as well, uh, Pastor Rob and Carly, uh, uh, Pastor Jacob and Linda, and uh, Pastor Evangelist uh, John Tahaji and Christina Tahaji. We're so blessed. Uh, I, I want to, uh, I do want to honor our leadership here tonight, our leadership team. Uh, it, it, it's just tremendous. It's just tremendous. Uh, the quality of people uh, that uh, that lead uh, this church and help uh, and, 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 and direct and govern what God is doing and stewarding here. And so our leaders, each one of our connect group leaders and other leaders as well, we love you guys so much and we appreciate your sacrifice. We appreciate your leadership as well. Um, Real quick, I want to take care of some some business here, and I just want to kind of make a uh, make an announcement to the church um, regarding our pastors. And uh, we're we're so again we love them so much, and uh, we're so honored to be able to uh, release them on a sabbatical. Now uh, this is a yeah that, yeah it's great. Now this is a word that you know that's not common language, so I want to I want to uh, define that for us. And a sabbatical is basically a leave of time. Uh, for uh, for uh, for clergy or for a pastor to go and reconnect with God uh, first and foremost, and so uh, our pastors, our pastors have uh, pastored this church for over thirty years. Not only do they pastor this local church and this local body of believers, but they are also overseers of over thirty churches that are connected within the Reach Network. And so uh, our pastor is, uh, by, our pastor has, our pastors have a pastor's heart. And so they work, they, they uh, uh, every single day they go to work and, and uh, uh, they, they're just working. And, and uh, many of you uh, have, uh, have, have called our pastors, uh, you know, when life is falling apart, uh, that's me, uh, when life is falling apart and, and you need someone and our pastors are there uh, to pick up the phone. And so uh, we're just honored to be able to release them uh, in the month of October, they're, they're going. And we said, we said, go the month of October. We want you just to go. We want you to enjoy each other. Uh, we want you to, uh, to, to connect with God. And also we want you to, uh, we want to release you of the local church obligations that he has, not only again to this local church, but even as, uh, as the network, uh, reach network. Now, I want to I bring clarity here because some people are probably asking, well, you know, a month is a long time. Why does he get so, so, so much time away? And uh, many of you may not understand this, but a, a pastor's vocation, that, that vocation, really has no start time or end time. 
Uh, really, it's a 24 on call. And again, I said this, uh, I've called our pastor, uh, you know, in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the late hours of the evening, just like I'm sure some of you have as well. And uh, uh, our pastors have been there for, uh, been there for us. Uh, the weekends, as you know, is committed to ministry. Uh, and, uh, and throughout the week, they're here uh, taking care of the, the house of God and, and all, all those different things. So 24 hours. And uh, there's no start time and no stop time. Also, uh, the, the level of emotional load that our pastors carry. So think about this. Uh, maybe, you're, uh, may, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're single or, or you're, you have a family. But think about the load that you carry just in your own domestic responsibilities, whether that's with the kids, with your spouse, uh, your job, and all that kind of stuff. That's a big deal, right? Yes. Um, so multiply that. Our church is about 400, about 400 people, about 400 to 450 people. Multiply that by about 400, 450 people. And then add on top of that uh, other pastors and those that they, that they counsel and that they're responsible to. And that's, that's a heavy load. You know, in, in, in one day, uh, a pastor could, could go through a lot of different emotions. And one day, a pastor uh, in the morning could be called of a, a celebratory call of a birth, right? Someone, someone's baby was just born. And uh, I think of Jose and Joanna. They just, had a, they just recently had a baby. And we celebrate that. But in that same in that same day, there could be uh, there could be a call where uh, there's a pastor that's that's on you know on the verge of quitting. There could be another call that a loved one, maybe someone, maybe one of your loved ones, that had passed. And so this emotional roller coaster that goes on in, in any given day, again, just adds to that load. And we 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 just we we want to release him. Uh, we want to release them to go and do whatever God has put on their hearts to do. And so the question is this: the question is this: uh, What will they do? What will our pastors do uh, while they're on sabbatical? Well, my first response is none of your business. No, I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. No, but again, what what they'll be doing is they'll be connecting with each other. They'll be connecting with God. Uh, they'll, they'll be released of really the, the, the obligations and the commitments that they have day to day here. Uh, I think the next question is, you know, well, what will we do? Right? Everyone's looking inside. Well, hey, if the, if the pastors are gone, what are we going to do? And I, I think it's very simple. What we're going to do is continue to do what we've been doing. And so, and so the vision is that we would continue to reach, we would continue to reach the lost. That we would continue to see those that are broken restored. And that we would continue to see those that have been restored be released into their God-given purpose and destiny in Jesus Christ. And so because of all of that, and I think, about, I think about our leadership, and I think about really what, we've, what, we've, what, what God is doing here in our midst. And really, I, Pastor Jacob uh, preached about this the other day, about stewarding revival. This is one of the ways that we steward revival, is that leaders step up that our pastors are able to be released, to be refreshed, and come back rejuvenated, come back ready to go. And we, and we as a church will continue to move on according to what God, is, uh, what God has called us to do. Is that all right? So, I, so I'll ask you to do this. Two things. Number one, I want you to pray. Uh, pray for our pastors as they, as they make plans and preparations. At, uh, just so you know, we've been planning. We've been talking. Uh, everything is covered, okay? So, you know, the ship is going to continue to sail, Pastor Omar. He's got confidence in us. Uh, but the first thing I want to ask you to do, uh, I want to ask you to pray. Pray for our pastors. Continue to cover them. I also want you to pray that God would just, just refresh them. 
that God would just uh, restore them, that God would refresh their energy, and that they would come back uh, rejuvenated and ready, uh, ready to go. The second thing I would ask you to do is I want you to begin to pray and ask God. Maybe God, uh, maybe God will will lead you to give towards them so that they go. They're going to go away for a month. They're going to go travel into Texas. As you know, they have grandchildren there, and they're going to go and, and do different things. And so I want you to number one, pray for our pastors, and number two, prayerfully consider maybe God is leading you to give to, to them uh, and bless them on their trip. Is that okay? Everyone still good with me? Okay. Even if you're not good with me, that's honor. All right? And so, uh, so pastors, again, I, I know you don't like this. We're taking a little bit of time here, but we love you guys. We, we appreciate you guys. And we're celebrating you guys and your time away. So let them know how much you love them. Well, I'm going to get into this message. And before I do, I, I just want to pray. Um, I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm confident in this thing is that the presence of the Lord is here. Now, how do I know that? Well, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's here in our midst. Uh, the, the gospel will be preached tonight. Uh, lives will be transformed. Lives will be changed because not because I'm speaking, but because the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. And so let's just pray. We need the anointing tonight. Come on, just lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to pray. Come on, open up your mouth and pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, in this moment. Father, as we've given you worship, Father, as we've given you praise, Father, I pray, Lord, that your anointing would rest on us tonight. I pray against every lie of the enemy. I pray against every obstacle. I pray against every demonic force tonight. God, be broken in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that there'd be a spirit of expect, uh, expectation. Father, as your word is declared, God, I pray that it would penetrate even the hardest hearts, God. Lord, that it would be changed and transformed according to your word. We thank you, God, for what you've done already and what you're going to do tonight. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. The church of God said amen. Amen and amen. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Daniel. How many of you guys appreciate Daniel? Appreciate Daniel. Uh, tonight, I, I want to stay in line with, with our sermon series, and our sermon series has been Chambers, and it's been uh, really a, a, dive, a, a dive into the heart, and uh, as Pastor Omar said last week, he preached on a pure heart, but tonight, I want to encourage you. I, I think that tonight, I'm going to be real. I'm just going to kind of keep it real with you. I'm going to share uh, personally from my life, uh, but really what, what, what I felt like the Holy Spirit put on me was that I would come to encourage you. How many of you need some encouragement tonight? And so my sermon tonight is, uh, is this. My sermon is take heart. Say take heart. Come on, say it again like you mean it. Take heart. Now, how many of you would agree with me when I say that life is hard? Life is hard. Life is tough, right? Uh, I, I think about this uh, like first world problems for my children. Um, you know, they're, they're at home and when the Wi-Fi turns off, uh, li life is hard for, the, for them, right? And so uh, I got a teenager that's on PS4. I got others. You know, I got you know, my eight-year-old that's on the iPad and all that kind of stuff. And so when the Wi-Fi goes down, even if it resets for a minute, I mean, life is hard. Everything is falling apart for them. And so life, life is difficult for those. But, uh, you know, uh, really, uh, in, 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 in this life, and, and I just consider over the last 18 months, um, how, how difficult life has been, how big uh, and how significant the changes have been in each and every one of our lives. And we've experienced them on different levels. Now, I, I think about, when I think about life and I think about what life has looked like over the last 18 months, I would say that many of us have experienced some troubles in this last 18 months, whether it was uh, your job and maybe something changed with your job. Maybe it was those that got sick. Uh, maybe it was those that got hospitalized. 
Um, maybe even it was those that, uh, um, uh, that, that got hospitalized and never recovered and passed. I think about, for me, for, for myself, over the last 18 months, um, I've, lost, uh, I've lost a cousin. I've lost two cousins. I've lost my grandmother and most recently lost my father in March. And uh, in all of these things, uh, the question is why? Why do, why do these things happen? Why? Uh, we just have so many questions. Right, and uh, I want to I want to encourage you tonight that despite what happens in our lives, despite what comes against you, that that Jesus is in control. I'll say that one more time: that Jesus is in control. And so, oftentimes, when we when we get down on ourselves, when we're feeling uh, low, or we're feeling depressed, or we have anxiety, uh, I want to encourage you that none of this surprised God. None of this surprised God. And so, when when I think about when I think about this, I, I think, um, you know, why is life hard? There's a few things, and I, I told you I'm going to be real, and as I'm being real, maybe it'll bear witness with some of you here. The first thing I think that uh, one of the reasons why life is so hard is because I'm kind of selfish. And so immediately when something happens, I'm wondering, well, why, God? Why does that have to happen to me? Maybe you're in the same, maybe you're in the same boat and something has happened and immediately you begin to think, why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve this? Another thing, uh, another, another reason that, that life sometimes is hard is because, uh, to, to a certain degree, maybe I'll just speak for myself, there's a certain level of hypocrisy in, in our lives. There's a certain level of hypocrisy in each and every one of our lives. I think about Paul when he was, uh, when, when he's writing his discourse in Romans chapter seven, when he says, uh, he says, uh, I do not understand what I do for I want to do, uh, for I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. How many of you could bear witness with that? There's things that I, I just, I, I want to do right. I, I, I want to stay disciplined in this area. I want to be uh, consistent or faithful in this area. I want to do that so bad. But the things that I want to do, I just don't do. And so there's, there's a certain level of hypocrisy in each and every one of us. Here's another one, and, and no one likes this, is that we have no, we, we, to a certain degree, we have no control over our lives. To a certain degree, we have no control over our lives. Now, this is not an excuse, and this is not something that, uh, this does not uh, excuse you from responsibility or even accountability for what you do. But to a certain point, you don't have control over your own life. And so things happen. Life happens. And we, and we wonder, why, why is this happening to us? And I think the last thing is that uh, sometimes we let our emotions get the best of us. How many of you are emotional? Yeah. I, I didn't see very many men's hands go up. Men, you are just as emotional as the women, okay? Yeah. And sometimes we let the, our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes we project things, uh, uh, anxiety and, 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 and worry and all these things kind of cloud our minds and cloud our vision and really, uh, really kind of throw us off course. And so I, I want to talk to you about, uh, about the fact that life is hard. Yes, I acknowledge that. But I, I, I'm so encouraged because again, like I said, this did not surprise God. None of this happened. None, none, nothing that's happened in your life has surprised God. And so I looked at this discourse of Jesus. And as I read this uh, out of, out of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 13 through, verses, uh, through chapter 16, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to summarize it. 
This is, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And in this discourse, you could just feel the empathy that's coming across from Jesus. Jesus is sitting down and talking to his disciples, not only his disciples, not only his ministry partners, but those that he loved, those that he had a concern for. These were his friends. And as he's sitting there and he's talking to the disciples about the things that are to come, he continues to tell them throughout that discourse that he's telling him, he's telling them these things so that when they happen, they'll have confidence in knowing that God already knew it was going to happen and this was part of his plan. See, oftentimes this is one of the things that kind of get us, get us thrown off is that we think that this is a surprise to God, that God didn't see this coming, that God didn't have provision for any of this. And we start to put, uh, put things into our own, uh, try, try to take things into our own hands. I love what Jesus said as he's talking to his disciples. He says that, uh, uh, he, he says, you know, uh, about his departure and that he's going to be going and and all these different things. And the disciples are, are upset. You, we know Peter and, uh, and his response is often, but all the disciples are upset and they're asking, why? Why are you, why do you have to go and, and, and all these different things? And Jesus tells them in one, t- at one point in, the, in this discourse, he says, the reason I'm telling you this is so that your joy will be fulfilled, that you'll know that I am who I say I am when these things happen. And so I, I want to tell you tonight that God has given us the Holy scriptures. And as we read the Bible, we realize that, uh, that, that God has already foreordained these things to happen in our lives. And, and the reason, and, 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 and as we look at these things and as they bear witness with us, we're able to say, God, you are sovereign. God, you are in control. And I could trust you. This is, this is one of the biggest things that we have in our lives is that do we really trust God. I think that it's easy for us in a moment when we're emotional, when the lights are dimmed, uh, when we have, you know, an awesome worship leader leading us and we're, and we're moving in the presence of God. It, it's easy for us to say that we trust God. It's easy for us to say, uh, I, I want nothing else but you, God, but yet we're disappointed when, when something doesn't happen the way that we want it to. And so in this environment, in this moment, it's easy to trust God, but when life falls apart, when life comes and hits you upside the head, are you still singing, uh, nothing else but you? God. So John, uh, so John 16, 33, and I paraphrased this whole discourse uh, into this one scripture. It says, I have told you, this is Jesus talking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. How many of us could use some peace today? Come on, right now. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Say take heart. All right, say it again like you mean it. Take heart. Take heart. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is telling his disciples that I've told you these things in advance. I've, I've said these things in advance. Why? So that you can have peace. He says, you're going to have trouble. He acknowledges that there's going to be trouble. There's going to be things that come up that you feel completely overwhelmed. There's, there's things that are going to come up that, you, that, that are going to crush you completely. He says all of these things, and he says, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. This is, this is what I want to tell you, is that you're already victorious. So in this life, you may be struggling, even in this moment, you may be, you may be struggling with different things, but I'm here to tell you that you're victorious in Christ Jesus. Someone over here got it. You are victorious in Christ Jesus tonight. You are. 
And so Jesus is doing this. And why does he, do, why does he take so much time to kind of lay this out for his disciples? Well, I think that he was, he was building their faith. He was strengthening them. He was infusing them with confidence so that they wouldn't fall away when, when trouble comes. Right? The passion when, when Jesus comes and he gets in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, uh, he's arrested and then he's put to trial, ultimately killed. This is the reason why he lays all these things out. And so that in that trouble, that there would be confidence and their faith would not be shaken. You see, li- listen, I, I want you to understand this. The greatest danger to a disciple is not death. The greatest danger to our disciples today, you and I, is not death. The greatest danger is apostasy. What does that mean? That means that you would turn away from the faith. That's the greatest danger to the disciple today. That you would give up. That you would, that, that you would say, I can't do this anymore and go and do something else. So the greatest danger is not death because death is what? Death is gain. Death is gain. So it's not death, but it's apostasy. And so tonight, I want, to, I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. This is, where, this is where the Holy Spirit has led me to infuse you with faith so that you could face the things that you're facing today. All right? All right. So the first thing that I want to encourage you in is this, is that I believe that we have to understand this and we have to have a deep certainty in God's kingship. We have to have a deep certainty in God's kingship. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I just told you that God is sovereign. And uh, there's a theological term that's used in, in talking about God's sovereignty, and that's omnipotent. What that means is that God is all-powerful. Well, what does that mean exactly? That means that God is able to do whatever he wills to do. God is able to do whatever you need him to do. He's able to do it. Is he going to do that? Well, he's sovereign. Talk to him. Wait on him. Trust in him in the process. But God is able to do whatever it is that you need him to do. Do you really believe that? All right, some of us do. We have to have a certainty in God's kingship. Uh, the, the Bible, Romans eleven thirty three through ver, uh, verses 36, it says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? And who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. I want to encourage you, Christian, tonight that uh, uh, Christian courage, uh, and this is a quote that one man said, he said, Christian courage inflamed and informed by the glory of God will be the undoing of every empire against the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you to really capture what, what he's saying. He's saying that Christian courage, we're talking about taking heart or taking courage. Christian courage, inflamed or full of passion and informed because if it's just passion without information, without truth, then you're going to burn out, okay? So a Christian courage inflamed with passion and informed and illuminated by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ will be the undoing of every empire against the kingdom of God. So why do we worry about what's going on in the government? Why do we worry about what's going on in the political environment when it says that if we, the Christian that's informed with the gospel, equipped with the gospel, that has passion for the things of God will be the undoing of every empire that's contrary to the kingdom of God. 
My goodness. And so listen, God's kingship can be defined this way. God's reign through God's people over God's place, okay? God's reign through God's people over God's place. And so the first thing is this, is God's reign. Now, when we say God's reign or we're talking about kingship, we're talking about dominion. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. And he rules this earth according to his own sovereignty and his own wisdom. And so we, we, we pray. Jesus even says, pray so that your faith or that your joy may be fulfilled. And so we pray for things. We pray. Uh, we're, we're praying right now for Pastor Woody Calvary and his family. We're believing that God will raise him up, that God will, will do a miracle in his body. We're believing that, okay? And so God has called us to pray and to do those things and to ask God so that our joy may be fulfilled. But ultimately, God is sovereign and God will do what he wills. And so when we're talking about God's reign, we're talking about his complete control over all things uh, that, that are in this earth and, and above this earth. And so when we talk about God's reign, we talk about God's throne. And oftentimes in Christianese or in our Christian culture, we could talk about the kingdom work. We could talk about kingdom people. We could talk about all these different things. But sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes we leave God out of the equation. And we say, we're worried about our ministry. We're worried about our anointing. We're worried about our platform. We're worried about how do people receive us. We're worried about where are our opportunities to go and minister. When we have to understand that God is sovereign and God's dominion is being established as he wills. It's not about us. It's ultimately about him. So, so listen, God's kingdom is not the result of human potential. So look, look, uh, we have a lot of gifted people in this church. We know of a lot of gifted people and ministers, and, and, and we, we honor them, and, and, and we appreciate them. But the kingdom of God is not the result of someone's potential. Okay, it's not, it's not the result of someone's charisma. It's not the result of someone's talent. But only the intervention of God's holy, sovereign grace into a sinful and broken world. It has nothing to do with us, okay? I, I, I appreciate that God uses the foolish things of this world like me to, to minister. I appreciate that. But I understand that it's nothing without the anointing of God. I'm here to tell you, brother and sister, you, you may be gifted, you may be talented, uh, you, may have been had, you may have been, you know, uh, uh, hands laid on and the word spoken over you, but ultimately God is just filling a broken vessel with his glory, this is God's reign. The second thing is God's people. And so God, the creator of all things, reigns over each and every one of us. And he also reigns through us, okay? So the, the, the kingdom of God is moving through each and every one of us. And this, is the, this was his design from the very beginning. And so you have Adam and Eve in perfect creation. God uh, creates them. And this is one thing I, I, I thought that was really interesting. A lot of times we're amazed by the creation of God, right? So God uh, didn't need anything to create anything. He just spoke words and things became into existence. That's pretty incredible. Yes? Tell me the last time you did that. That's pretty incredible. But think about this. It's not only the creation, it's not only the beginning of creation that's so phenomenal, but think about the preservation of life. 
that God has sovereignly and, and through intelligent design has put natural laws in effect like gravity or, or like sowing and reaping and all these different things to not only, not only create life, but to preserve life. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I don't, that was a revelation for me. I'm sorry. I was amazed by that as I, as I was reading and as I was studying. But you think about Adam and Eve, and they were commissioned to, to be this, this really the, the, this royal priesthood on, on, on the earth. And, and uh, uh, what was God's command to them? To subdue the earth and, uh, and, and, uh, and be fruitful and to multiply. And that was, that was the design. That's, that's what it was supposed to be. And we know that their rebellion fractured humanity's relationship with God, and it shattered the goodness of his creation. And so ever since the fall, God's kingdom has at its heart a rescue mission for rebellious sinners. Now listen to this. Uh, This rescue mission is for rebellious sinners, drawing them into his renewing work. And so this is the rescue mission is that we would go out and we would find those that are lost. You and me, just, just uh, uh, each and every one of us have been in a state of rebellion or in a state of an enemy to God. And the rescue mission was for your heart. The rescue mission was for your soul. This is what it's been from the very beginning. This, this is, there, there's no deviation in the mission. This is what it is. Uh, a lot of times when, when we're up here and, and, and we're preaching or maybe you come into a service, you're looking for a really deep thought. You're looking to, to really Really be wow. This is the simple gospel is that we are on a rescue mission for those that are broken and lost. I wish it was cooler. It is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. Listen, God's reign is a saving reign. So, so listen. When we understand the kingdom of God and we understand that it, 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 what, what, what it provides for each and every one of us, we understand that we are saved from something, but we're also saved for something. So we're saved from something and we're also saved for something. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Isaac? Well, we're saved from death for life, right? We're saved from shame for his glory. We're saved from slavery for freedom. We're saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. And so we're saved from something for something. So it doesn't, ha- it doesn't, just, it doesn't just end, guys, by you giving your life to the Lord. It doesn't end there. But you're saved from your sin. You're saved from your rebellion state so that you could be an instrument or you could be an ambassador for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you're saved from something for something. That's good. The last thing is this, is God's place. And I got I to gotta move, okay? So, so uh, we're talking about God's creation and God's glorious kingdom. And, and like I said, it started, in, it started in, in, uh, in, 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 the, in the garden, sorry. It started in the garden, and, uh, and, and then it was broken. Something happened, and it was broken, and sin entered humanity. And like I said, the Bible is a rescue story, not about rescuing sinners from a broken creation. Listen, not, it's not only about God rescuing sinners from a broken creation, but it's about him rescuing them for a new creation. Again, we're saved from something for something. And so we're saved from brokenness for this new creation, and so that we could reign with God through God and, and subdue this earth. Now listen, the message of the kingdom isn't escape 
isn't an escape from earth to heaven, but God's reign coming from heaven to earth. This is why, this is why, this is why we say, uh, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so this, so, so this whole thing isn't about us escaping and going to heaven, but this whole thing is about us, the people of God, bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. When's the last time you brought king, the kingdom down to earth? And so we have to have certainty in God's kingship. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, is that we have to have confidence in the call. We have to have, uh, 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 I'm sorry, we have to have courage in our call. Courage in our call. We have to have courage in our call. And so one of the, one, one of the, uh, one of the, the, the heroes in the Bible is Moses, right? And uh, we, we uh, sang about Moses, right? That he, uh, um, you know, the Egypt song and, and all that. I forgot the lyrics. I, I'm sorry. But, but, but this is, listen, Moses is a man that we celebrate. Moses is a man that we look at and we say, man, th- this guy is awesome. Th- this, he, he was the deliverer. Uh, he, he, uh, he parted the Red Sea. He, you know, went against Pharaoh, the, the, the strongest person in the world at that time. This guy is an absolute hero. But many of us forget, uh, forget his, his flaws and forget what, what got him to that place. And so, yes, Moses was a great leader. Yes, Moses is a great man of God. But his journey was a long way to get to that point. And see, oftentimes, each, oftentimes what we do is we look at ourselves and we compare ourselves to others that are, that are way, way, way further in their journey. And so today, tonight you could be looking at yourself and saying, well, uh, Moses delivered millions of people from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He did all of these miracles. I, that's not me. And what we, what we fail to see is that there was a process that went into Moses' call. And so the first thing is this, and, and by a raise of hands, let, let, me, let me see this. How many of you have ever said, I'm not good enough? Yeah, yeah. We're inadequate, right? And so this was the first thing that Moses said when, when, when God called him. He says, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I, I want to tell you about this thought of inadequacy. Listen to this. Inadequacy is not hum- humility, okay? So by you saying, well, I'm not good enough, I can't do that as well as that person, that, that's, that's false humility. Ultimately, what that is is an indictment on the Creator that creates things perfectly. And so God has created you in his image, giving you everything that, that you need to fulfill the purpose or the call that he's placed on your life. And when we say that we're inadequate or we say that we're not able to do that or we're not good enough, it's an indictment on the creator that created you and called you good. Do you, do you realize that when, when God created all things in Genesis, after he created them, he reviewed them. He analyzed them. He audited them. And he said, this is good. When he created man in his image, he audited him and said, this is good. And so I want to tell you tonight that you are good enough. And if you don't believe me, believe God. Now listen to this. When the call of God came to Moses at the burning bush, I would imagine that in that moment, and maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you could kind of, uh, th- this kind of resonates with you. I would imagine that in that moment where, where God calls Moses in the burning bush, that in, that in in that moment, in the presence of God, the first thing that comes to his mind are his failures. How many times have you been in the presence of God, maybe in, in a church service just like this, and as you're in the presence of God and you're worshiping God, the enemy reminds you immediately of your failures. The enemy immediately starts to tell you you're a hypocrite. How dare you lift your hands in the presence of God? 
And so listen, this is, this is exactly what Moses had to overcome in this moment. I, I can't, I, I could only imagine what he thought about. Now you know that he ran from Egypt because he was a murderer. And so in this moment where God says, I've called you, you're, you're the man, you're going to go and do all these, all, all these mighty things, he's immediately thinking, I can't do that, I've gone too far. How many of you, maybe in this place, you, you feel like you've, you've just failed too much, you've just gone too far? And I, I'm here to tell you that God, uh, that, that God does not count your past against you, that God has called you, God is even lifting you tonight into a new place, a new understanding, a deeper understanding that you're not, uh, that, that you're not defined by your failures. We say this often, that failure is not final, and that failure is an event, not a person. And so and think about this in Moses. Had Moses just given up, had Moses just said, I can't do it, I can't respond to this, what would have happened? I think about the same thing for each and every one of us tonight, that if you were to give up, if we were to say, you know what, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, I, I, I just, I don't have the skill set, I, 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 I can't do it, how many other people are dependent upon you coming and bringing a word of deliverance to them? Is it your family? Is it your children? Is it your coworkers? This is a big deal, guys. How about this? Uh, the first time you're going to go and, and evangelize, I remember we were on, a, we were on an outreach a, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and uh, we had some first-time people that had been out street preaching, and they were like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. What am I going to say if they ask me questions? How many of you have ever felt that way? Like, you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you, okay, share the gospel with this person at work, and you're just like, all right, I, I want to, but I don't know what I'm going to say, and what, what, what if I don't have all the answers? Moses had the same situation going on. And it says that, uh, uh, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent, uh, sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And so here's Moses. He's, he's coming up with another excuse. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have this all figured out. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, because of that, I can't do what you've called me to do. And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it's not about, it's not about him. It's not about the words that he has to say, but it's all about God. The call is not about you and I. It's all about God. The next thing is that, uh, maybe, maybe Moses said that people won't believe me. And, uh, the Bible says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, see, this, this is kind of a natural human instinct where we, we don't, we're, we're scared to be vulnerable. We're scared to be wrong. We, 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 uh, we don't want to open our mouths and set ourselves up for a potential, uh, backlash. And so, as Moses said this, think about this. I, I think this is so cool that as Moses said this, uh, that, that God, God didn't necessarily excuse him of that. And God didn't necessarily tell him, hey, it's going to be okay. But God acknowledged it. Right? God acknowledged it, and this is what he did. So God doesn't dismiss the excuse, but he equipped Moses to overcome it. Now, how did he do it? He did, two, he did three things, actually. He, uh, he, gave the, he gave him the rod, or, or the staff, right, that turned into a snake. We all seen, we all seen uh, Prince of Egypt, right? Yes. <laughs> gave him the rod, right? The other thing that, I guess this wasn't in the movie, but the other thing was that uh, uh, his leper's hand was restored once it went into the cloak and it came out, right? So this is signs and wonders, right? And then the last thing 
was that he actually gave him Aaron and said, okay, you know, if, if, you, if you really don't believe me that I, I've given you everything that you need to do to accomplish what I've called you to do, then here, take your brother because you're, you're you know, you're, you're just, you're too much for me, right? <laughs> and so the last thing that Moses said, and I'm sure many of us could, could identify here, is that I'm not qualified. And he said, but he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whom, whomever else you may send. And so really this is what Moses is saying is, just send anyone but me. I, I, I can't do this. I, I'm not qualified. I don't have what it takes. I, um, they're not going to listen. It's not going to work. God, I think you got it wrong this time. And I wonder how many times we've had the same conversation with God. When God has called you to do something, God has, God, God has reinforced it in his word. God has spoken to you in, in your time of prayer and devotion. God has moved on the heart of someone, maybe a, a friend or a leader to come and speak to you. And you're in defiance saying, God, I'm just not qualified. I'm, I'm here to tell you that God qualifies the disqualified, okay? God, God will do whatever he needs to do. God will give it to you. God will empower you and God will direct you. And so the last thing is this, is that we have to have courage in our culture. So the first thing is we have to have certainty in God's kingship. The next thing is that we have to have courage in our call or confidence in our call. And the last thing is that we have to have courage in our culture. Now listen to this. We're talking about taking heart and and being courageous. See, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's acting in spite of it. And so so, so... if you're scared, you could still have courage, okay? Matter of fact, if you're not scared, then courage doesn't work. It just, it just works out that way, okay? So you have to have courage, and the only way you can have courage is that there's something that's very, very scary in front of you. You guys, you guys with me? And so courage isn't the absence of fear, it's acting in spite of it. And so uh, the last story, the last character, it's Paul. And Paul in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. Say, take courage. courage. All right, say it again. Take courage. take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Now, let me, uh, again, let me paraphrase this whole thing and, 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 and help you out here. So what's going on in this story, what's going on in this moment is, is uh, Paul is in prison and basically he's on his way to Rome. Now, what just happened is that he testified in Jerusalem about Jesus, about, uh, about him being resurrected and, 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 and the things that he experienced. And it created a, uh, a brawl, ultimately. It created um, a riot, okay? And so he gets beat up in this riot. And now not only is he beat up, but now he's in prison. And, and uh, because of his testimony, he's now in prison. And so here's Jesus. Jesus comes and he uh, physically appears to, uh, to Paul. And, and he's here and he's telling him to take courage. And he's telling him about the things that are to come. Again, he's instilling faith. He's instilling courage in him for the things that are to come. And so, it, it, so it's, it's the story. And if, if you know the story, this is now his leg and his trip to Rome where ultimately he'll, he'll die. And so Paul is a courageous man. He's championed this message, this message of the gospel. And many people see him as a threat. So you see the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're all pulling him, uh, pulling him uh, this way and that way. Uh, what he finds out the next morning is that there's 40 assassins that have taken an oath to kill him, and they won't eat or sleep until they do that. And so I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about 
uh, how courage works. And I was wondering, you know, I was wondering about this. I was wondering, you know, about that appearance of Jesus. And uh, look, if Jesus appeared to me in physical form, I would be encouraged. How many of you would be encouraged? And so I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, well, why did Jesus appear to Paul? Why, why did he do that? And I think, yes, it was, it was to encourage him. But I also think that many of us could, could understand it this way, is that in a moment, we could experience the presence of God. In a moment, we could feel good. We could, we could feel refreshed. We could feel renewed when, we, when we're in the presence of God. But once that, once that moment passes... Right, and I think about even a setting like this, where we're we're together tonight, and the presence of God is here. We're worshiping the Lord, and we feel the tangible presence of God. And then once we leave this place and we go back home, it takes courage for us to live out the faith that God has tried to instill in us. And so I believe, I believe that that Jesus came to meet Paul that night to encourage him, but also to give him direction. And also, and to, to let him know that in this moment, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel refreshed, but there's work to do. And, and the next day that, that, that will be made uh, apparent to him. And so, uh, and, and, uh, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says it in, ver- in chapter 40, he says, uh, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become, uh, will become weak and tired and young men will fall, will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now listen, courage really is a step beyond strength. So God could strengthen us. God could empower us. God could move us in in this moment. But ultimately, we have to take a step of faith and we have to take a step of courage to do the work. And so I think think of of courage this way. It's it's a formula. It's will, will, W-I-L-L, will plus action equals courage. Will plus action equals courage. Will plus action equals equals courage. Now, there's a reoccurring theme throughout the Bible in, in the same formula. See, Moses called it out to Joshua. He said, be strong and courageous. Will. Be strong and courageous, for you must go. Say, you must go. Will in action. Be strong and courageous. Will, for you must go. Action. This is with courage with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. David called it out to Solomon. Be strong and courageous. This is an act of the will. Be strong and courageous and do the work. I I want you to repeat that with me. Say, do the work. Turn to your neighbor say, do the work. Turn to your second choice. Do the work. Be strong and courageous. The will, the will plus the action and do the work equals courage. Jesus' disciples called it out in the blind man. He said, and Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, the will, stand up, the action. He is calling for you. We know ultimately that he received his healing. And so this will and action equals courage is reoccurring in the theme. And I want to encourage us tonight that it's not just an act of the will that's going to get us to where we need to go. But it's, it's the action that will, that, that will uh, follow that time of taking, taking heart or that time of, of being strengthened or being renewed. It's the action after that. I think about this even tonight. It's the action 
tonight after you leave this place. It's the action tomorrow morning in your workplace. It's the action when you're in, uh, when you're in another fight with your spouse. It's the action when you find out about your kids. It's the action when you find out about that, that, that diagnosis. Will plus action equals courage. So a couple things that I, I, want us to, I want us to think and just quickly. So how do we cultivate courage in this culture? How do we cultivate courage in this culture? Each and every one of us need to cultivate courage, uh, especially in this culture. I think the first thing that we could do, and again, it's not, this is not rocket science, is that we meditate, we meditate on the Word of God. We meditate on the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. The Bible says that it has divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Fortified things biases and, and, and ideas and, and, and things. But the Word of God has divine power to demolish strongholds, has, has the power to, to demolish these things that are in our lives. It's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's God-breathed so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Will plus action equals courage. And so the first thing we could do is meditate on the Word of God. Another thing we could do is listen for God's voice. Well, how do we do that? Well, read your word first. <laughs> but I believe that the Holy Spirit could, could teach us how to hear the voice of God, how to discern the voice of God in your time of meditation, in your time of prayer, that you would be able to discern the voice of God, that it would quicken you, that it would strengthen you, that it would give you direction. This is how we could cultivate courage in this culture. Uh, here, here's another one is that we have to realize that not even an encouraging experience, listen to this, not even an encouraging experience with Jesus outweighs the engagement of our will in the process of courage. Now, let me, let, let me clarify that. I believe that each and every one of us will experience the presence of Jesus tonight. I believe that. And I believe that every single time you come into a place like this, that you experience the presence of Jesus. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. So why is it that the Christian doesn't live a life of victory? Why is that? Because if you're experiencing the presence of Jesus Christ, and if that's all it takes, then we should be living victorious. So this experience that you, that you have doesn't outweigh your engagement of our will, doing the work, do, doing the action, doing the things that need to be done, doesn't outweigh those things in the process of cultivating courage in our lives. Will plus action equals courage. Another thing that we could do is we could ask God to help us identify the fears that are holding us back. And I love what Pastor Omar said uh, a, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, he said, uh, you're not stuck, you stopped. Each and every one of us. If you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, I just, I, I can't get over the hump. I can't, you know, I, I, it's just not working out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. That's a good cliche. I'm waiting for my breakthrough. You're not stuck. You just stopped. Ask God. Ask God to identify those things. Highlight those things. And give me the courage, the will plus action. Give me the courage to, to stop those things, to, to move past those things. It takes courage. I, I understand it. You know, taking a, taking a decision in your life and, and, and putting away things that are, we know that aren't good for us, it takes courage to do that. But God's calling us to be a courageous people. The last thing is this, is that we need to take the next step. What is the next step? Whatever it is that's in front of you. Whatever it is. 
as, as we're cultivating courage in our lives, as we're, uh, as, as we're submitting our will to God and we're taking the action and we're cultivating what I'm talking about, this courage, and we're taking heart in all these things that are coming against us. What is the thing that we have to do? Well, we just need to take the next step. What is that tonight for you? Only you can answer that. In this process, in this journey with Christ, uh, God takes us on, on, uh, on, on this endeavor. And uh, each and every one of us are in different places in our lives. Each and every one of us are experiencing different things. Each and every one of us are in different levels of maturity with Christ. And so my word to you tonight is have courage and just take the next step, whatever that is. Maybe, maybe, that's, a, maybe that's a relationship that you, have to, uh, that, that you have to unwind or unravel or get rid of. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a decision in your schooling or in your, in, in your vocation. You just need to take that next step of faith, whatever that is. So I want to encourage you tonight uh, that, that we would engage our will and that we would disregard our fears, okay? Engage our will. Our will is, uh, uh, the, the Bible says that, uh, that the, spirit, uh, um, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our will is the flesh, okay? Our will is like, man, I just, you know, I, I want to do that thing. Like, like Paul said, I want to do that thing, but I can't do it. And the things that I hate to do, I just keep on doing those things. And so we have to engage our will. We have to discipline our will and, and, and not worry about fear and take the next step uh, of, of courage, whatever that is for, for each and every one of us. I, I, want, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I, I want to uh, talk to you. I want to I wanna minister. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is here tonight. Uh, as I was preparing myself, I, uh, um, I just had this confidence that, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit really wanted to do uh, some deep heart work. And we're in a sermon series on, on the heart. And uh, I, I want to read this to you. I'm going to read this to you out of a, um, from a theologian. It, it, he says it this way regarding the Holy Spirit. He says, It's important to note that the Spirit comes to the church and not to the world. This means He works in and through the church. The Holy Spirit does not minister in a vacuum, just as the Son of God had to have a body to do His work on earth, so the Spirit of God needs a body to accomplish His ministries, and that body is the church. See, the Spirit doesn't float in some ghostly way up and down the rows of a church building, seeking to win the lost, but the Holy Spirit works through people, you and I, in whom He lives. And so I, I want to encourage you tonight, and, and really before I, I go any further, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here tonight, and uh, as I'm talking about this stuff, as I'm talking about taking heart and being courageous and, and, and living for God, uh, maybe tonight you're saying, you know, I, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I'm, I'm not living for God today. I, I, I could honestly say I'm not living my, my life according to uh, God's will. I'm not, God is not, you know, king of my life. When I talk about certainty and God's kingship, uh, you, tonight you could say, oh, God is not the king of my life. I want to encourage you tonight in this, in this thought. Isaiah 64, 6 says it this way, that we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. I, I, think, about, I think about this tonight as, you're, as, as you're, every, uh, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I, I think about... A lot of times when we're in a setting like this, we could start thinking about all the good things that, that we did. We're not really that bad. Uh, we're good people. We try to do the right thing for the most part, and uh, we try to be good Christians. Uh, 
And, and really what we're talking about this month is, or the next couple of months, is, uh, is the heart. And Pastor Omar talked about a pure heart last, last week and really the motives of our heart. And the prophet Isaiah says that our good deeds, that what we're trying to justify even now as I speak, our good deeds are like filthy rags before God. I mean, this is a very graphic depiction of what, of what uh, the prophet's saying, may, maybe even a little too graphic for me to explain, but understand that it is disgusting. That's what it is. It's disgusting. Your good deeds, your self-righteousness is disgusting in the sight of God. And so before we go any further, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, 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 need, to make, I need to get my life right with the Lord. I need to respond. I, I, need, I need to ask God in, into my life. I need to uh, ask God for forgiveness. There's things in my life that I, 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 I'm, I'm holding on to. There's things in my life that I'm fearful of and I'm just holding on to these things. If that's you, if that's you here tonight, I want you just to lift your hand real quick. Come on, just lift your hand up real quick. I, got, I, I see hands going up already. Come on, just put your hand up real quick. Come on. You say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, God is not king of my life. I, 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 I continue to live the way that I want to live. Lift your hand up. Come on, real quick. There's already hands that, that have gone up. Anybody else? This is, this, is, this is the most important thing that we could do tonight. We, we enjoy being in the presence of God. We enjoy singing. We enjoy all these things. But seeing people get right with God is all, this is, that is the intention of every single one of these meetings. So I don't want to move. I don't want to move quickly beyond this. If there's anybody else, I want you to just lift your hand real quick. Come on, just lift your hand. There's already been honest hearts tonight. There's already been many that that have that have acknowledged. Maybe you're here tonight. and You say, you know what, uh, Pastor Isaac, I've, I, I'm I'm not I'm not in alignment. I've just kind of fallen away. I was living uh, for God. I was uh, trying to do all the right things, but I've blown it. And I'm here to tell you, just like I said earlier, that failure is not final and failure is an event. It's not a person. And I, I rebuke the lie of the enemy that would keep you down and keep you in a place of condemnation and shame. The Bible says, or Jesus said, that the truth will set you free. And so I'm speaking the truth to you tonight that if you would just acknowledge your sin, that God would restore you. I think about the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son went and he, and he left his father's house. He left his possessions. And he, he spent it all in riotous living. He spent it on, you know, on, on all kinds of things. And when he returned to, to, to the father, the Bible says that the father was looking out, waiting for his son to return. And as he saw him, he chased him. And as he chased him, he threw the, this robe over him, this robe of righteousness. He gave him a ring and put it on his finger. And he, he welcomed him back into right relationship with, with God. And that's what God wants to do tonight. So if you're here tonight, you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I need to get my life right. Anybody else? Just lift your hand real quick. Come on. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. All kinds of hands going up. That's awesome. If you lift your hand, I want you to do something without even thinking. I want you just to stand up and meet me, meet me right here at the altar. Come on, just get out of your seat. Don't even think about it. Come on. I saw hands go up. I saw hands in the back. Just meet me right here. Come on, we're going to have people pray with you. Come on, let them know how much you love them. We're just going to clap for you. Come on, anybody else? I, I saw some hands in the back. If you guys seen anyone, I, just just go pray with them in the back. I, I don't want to I don't want to miss anyone, but uh, we, we want to pray. Uh, we, we have uh, we have several honest hearts here tonight, and we have people that are going to pray with you. Um, I want to lead you in a, in a prayer. This is a prayer of repentance. Um, and so as I pray, as as I lead you in this prayer, you'll repeat the words, but you're not you're not saying the words to me. 
you're saying the words to God. And so uh, we're, we're just going to believe that God is going to come in. God is going to help you tonight. And so as I say, it, I want you to repeat what I'm saying. Okay. Again, you're saying it to God. So, uh, um, so, so repeat this. Father, I repent of my sins. I acknowledge that I've not made you king of my life. And that without you, there's nothing but hell and destruction. And tonight I commit my life to you. I pray that you would come into my heart, remove the sin, and make your home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.